Welcome once again to the Pop Rewind Podcast, brought to you by poprewind.com. My name is Lee, with me is Linz, and we are talking about phoning home on this episode. What do you think? Are we I, now? Yeah, what do you think I mean by phoning home? Phoning home? So you're calling your mom finally? Yeah, yeah, I want to let her know how things are going, what's up. Maybe get her to pick up some Reese's Pieces while she's at the grocery store? Yeah, something along those lines. Huh. I think we're talking about a movie. And possibly a video game tie-in. Yeah. Uh, We're actually talking about the movie E.T., The Extraterrestrial, which is number 24 currently on the American Film Institute list of 100 great movies. Which is impressive, considering, well, they picked 100 movies, and E.T. came out in 1982. You'd think there'd be a few more that would trump it. A little more. Um, you know, some of the things above it, not really a surprise. Citizen Kane, Casablanca, Star Wars. Um, surprisingly, I didn't see Back to the Future on that list. I would think that <laughs> would be number one, and then the sequels would be number two and three. Not that you're biased. No. Well, you know, E.T. was the highest grossing film of all time until Jurassic Park. Yeah, it made a crazy amount of money. And I think that was probably because it was re-released a bunch of times before it was even available on home video. So it kept coming back out in the theaters before it came out on video? It Well, it was first released in 1982. And then it was re-released in theaters in 1985 but didn't even come out to video until 1988. So you had six years to wait if you didn't get your butt to a theater. Yeah, that's kind of a bit of a delay on that. But you know what kept you busy during all that time? (laughs) What? Playing the video game for Atari. (laughs) Tried to figure that thing out. Yeah, that would have kept someone busy. Yeah, that'd take you a few years. Definitely. Well, we'll come back to the video game a little bit more later. Um, You know, I wanted to ask you, what is your personal experience with the movie? I think... um, you know, textbook history, I'll use that term there, um, kind of tells us that this movie was part of everybody's childhood. It was some magical thing that just romanced the world. What does E.T. the film do for you? It does, it is billed as mandatory watching. Right, right. And you, you have to see I, it. I know uh, as a child, I did watch it, but I was pretty young when it came. Well, I wasn't born yet when it came out. I was born in 83. I know we had a copy, I know I watched it as a kid, but I never remembered much about it. I knew that I liked the character E.T., Right. but to tell you like the plot of the film or, and things like that, I wouldn't have been able to at that time until I rewatched it for the first time in 2002 when it was uh, re-released yet again. And at that point, could you make sense of the plot of the film? Uh, basically, yeah. I mean, I kind of... I knew basically the plot at that point okay it wasn't like a big mystery or a big reveal or any spoilers but i mean from my own childhood i would be like oh and i remember when et ran away and you know and it made you cry oh i probably did cry not gonna lie right well i think a lot of people did so you're in good company on that one you know my really only memory of the movie as a kid i didn't have the movie it was one i just saw at somebody's house and um i remember being scared of astronauts because of this movie. That part really? where like the guys in the spacesuits show up at the house and they're kind of just hands outstretched like zombies and they're like walking down that giant tube into the house. That movie takes a really, really dark turn toward the very end there. 
Especially when you're that young, too. Right. That made a lasting impression on me because you don't see the face of the astronauts. Like, their helmet's just, like, completely gold or whatever. And it's very scary. I Yeah. I no longer have a phobia of astronauts. So I have overcome <laughs> this over the last 20 years. I'm glad you've been able to work through that. <laughs> Definitely. I uh, I bought the movie on Blu-ray earlier this year because I wanted to revisit it after a recent trip to Universal Studios Orlando um, and riding the E.T. adventure ride there. And it was very interesting watching it as an adult and kind of like understanding the place for the dark aspects of the movie versus when I was a kid. And I was like, is this really for me? Yeah, you're picking up more on things that you would or you wouldn't have when you were little right and you know i think that happens with a lot of these movies um movies like home alone willy wonka and the chocolate factory there's a very different spin <laughs> on these movies when you're an adult wonka especially yeah yeah wonka is a dark movie we'll get to that one later yeah it's very bri- vibrant but don't be fooled <laughs> um so yeah it took forever for this thing to get released on home video which is strange. I mean, I understand back in the 80s and 90s, it would take a while. You know, sometimes you're waiting a full year. Well, a lot of times you're waiting a full year for your film to come out. Of course. But for over six years, there was nothing. That's kind of a long time. What was the whole? But at the same... Ah, I think it was just different, like, MPAA restrictions. Um, then they were re-releasing it. Right. And I, I'm pretty sure it was in theaters quite a bit. Like, it wasn't out of theaters completely. So it just ran forever. That's why it became such high grossing. Well, yeah, I'm sure that helped. And I mean, it was merchandised too, quite a bit. Right. Yeah, I seem to remember I had like an ET storybook or scratch and sniff book or something when I was a kid. Yeah, I had posters. I And I mean, this was a movie that I barely remembered as a kid, but I had right. the posters. I had the video game. I probably had little PVC figures. What was your introduction to ET? Uh, it was mostly the video game. Really? Yeah. Well, you and I share a common uh, common thing there, because E.T. was amongst the first video games I ever had. Oh, dear. Like, I mean, it wasn't one of my first ones, because I had the Intellivision before I had the Atari. But I have more memories of the video game as a kid than I do the movie. Yeah, same here. It was a, you know, I just remember always having Atari, and E.T. was one of those games that was just always there. And I still have that copy of E.T., when you got the ET game, did you get it in the box with the instructions and everything? Or was it kind of like a second hand, here you go, kid, and you got like a cart? It was just like having anything else in your house growing up. It was just there. Okay. I mean, and, you know, the game was there before I was, basically. So that's, yeah, my whole life has been uh, overshadowed by ET being in existence in my household. Yeah, I mean, mine, I, I really vividly remember getting it from my uncle. He had an Atari and was just like, here's some games, and E.T. happened to be in it, so I so remember trying to play. So he gave away his whole Atari set because of that game? Basically. Wow. No, he just gave me a, a handful of really crappy games. Oh, so you I don't think he liked me much. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I remember E.T. being in there and just thinking, that was that's weird, let's play. And it was, I mean, it, it was just the cart. I didn't have the instructions, and I was probably like five at the time well that game's very challenging um you know i'm sure everybody listening to this has obviously if they haven't played the game they at least know the significance of the game and humor history at this point yeah Um, oh i know it's 
it's a challenging game, but I think most people expect it to be easy. So, you know, when you're walking around and you fall on a pit, you're like, F this. This game's stupid. Wow. FT. Exactly. And I mean, the game's not great, but I don't think it's as bad as we once thought it was while we played it. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, There's the E.T. game everybody knows, but there were other E.T. video games. Yeah, um, I haven't played the other. Was it the Atari XE that it came out on? Right, there's another one on XE. I'm not sure if it was made intentionally for, specifically for XE, but you could play it on XE. Right. And there was another another game that was almost like the game that the Atari 2600 should have been. It made sense. You walked around, you got pieces of the, the phone, the, you could actually tell who the people were the graphics were incredibly better it actually was a decent game i've played so it's pretty much the same objectives as the 2600 game because you had to go into these pits find the pieces of the phone and then phone home yeah it was a bit more kind of played it but i remember the objective being very similar right okay um there was also an et game on game boy color where he just asked you a bunch of questions and it kind of disturbed me i'm like why is et asking me this much personal information is he going to steal my identity was this to set up a profile or was this that was just a game i think that was the whole thing is et just kept asking you information and um, how can we make a worse game than et falling down pits constantly let's let's you know i think what they thought is maybe the bar wasn't set that high and so exactly yeah exactly (laughs) Well, you know, I want to back up to the release of the movie. A lot of people might remember the E.T. videotape came with this green plastic back to it. And, you know, obviously as a kid, I didn't know what that meant. But you found some information about that. Uh, Yeah, I guess that E.T. was one of the first movies to be seriously affected by video piracy. So they kind of had to, like, soup up the VHS tape to prevent more piracy. Right. And by making the uh, the plastic piece green, this somehow helped? I'm not really sure on the specifics, but I, I guess there was something in there that helped prevent it. I mean, I'm sure it was bootlegged all over the place. Before it was even out of theaters, it was bootlegged. Right. But we didn't have the internet to help us along. So if you knew a guy who knew a guy, you were good. Wow. They were going to make a sequel for E.T. Yeah, uh, they were planning that while I was still in theaters, and then they ended up scrapping it. Spielberg thought it would kind of ruin the magic of the first movie. I think he's on to something with that. Yeah, I I definitely think it would have hurt it. It would have kind of made it more of a joke than it already is for us. Plus, would they have been able to get uh, such a great sponsorship deal for the second movie? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe M&M's would have come back. Yeah. So the story there is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, M&M's was originally what they had in mind to sponsor the the scene where he's dropping the candy pieces, but yeah. they turned it down. It, would, and it so, was supposed to be M&M's, yeah. And then they ended up with Reese's Pieces, which ended up boosting the sales of that candy and making it like such a big iconic candy yeah m&m's thought it was that et was too ugly and he would scare kids so they turned it down wow and so i've always wondered because i mean i'm not really that big of a fan of reese's pieces uh this podcast is over (laughs) this website is done wow no the color scheme for reese's pieces are amazing they've been the same color scheme since like the price is right set was that color scheme i mean come on 
But if I'm going to eat peanut butter candies, like I'll get a Reese cup or like peanut M&Ms or something, you know? Reese my, cup. My first choice at the candy store is not Reese's Pieces. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, okay. Well, I guess without having to go too far into it, you are a fan of Reese's Pieces. I think we've established this. But do you think they would have done as well if they weren't in E.T.? Do you think people would care or even still eat them? It's hard for me to say because I don't know a time without Reese's Pieces having been in the E.T. movie. That's always something I wondered. What, if anybody had heard of Reese's Pieces before the movie? No, I well, that too, right? What if he had dropped Twizzlers? Oh. Or rolled gold. It could have been anything. It just happened to be Reese's Pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of makes Reese's Pieces relevant, too. Hey, what do you think about that part in the movie? I'm totally jumping off here. Where, That's all right. Where Elliot and E.T. are somehow linked together. And so when E.T. gets drunk, Elliot gets drunk. What is that? <laughs> Why does that happen? I'm really not sure. I, I guess they're so bonded that, you know, E.T. cares so much for the boy. And Elliot cares, cares so much for E.T. that they're, they're connected somehow. And... And yet they there you have it. scientists wanted to open up E.T. and learn something from him, and people didn't want that to happen. I would say that's some pretty significant cosmic energy there worth studying. Not that I'm it, condoning yeah. an autopsy of E.T. But, but, I mean, it's also really sad. That's a boy's friend, too. That's true. What do you think of the character design of E.T.? You know, you mentioned M&Ms weren't on board with that. Uh, well, from the looks of it, he could have been uglier. Yeah, he's some, not, some of those early production he, photos. He. He's not a cute uh, alien, but his eyes are very vibrant, very deep. Right. Well, that's because they, they made them out of glass, right? Yeah, they actually got glass eyes for it. And it's kind of funny. You look back, you know, I mentioned the merchandising before. There were a lot of E.T. stuffed animals. And I actually have one. Maybe I'll put a photo up with the podcast. But Ooh. it doesn't look like the E.T. of the movie really yeah he's kind of he doesn't have like the big things on the side of his head like it's it's not an ovally shape okay and it's it's much it's a much cuter teddy bear looking et well i had to market it to look cute right yeah yeah exactly yeah now you haven't been to universal studios at this point have you no the amusement park in florida I have not. I, I've heard you've gone a couple times. Uh, yeah, maybe once or twice. Oh, yeah. Went to that park um, several times as a kid. And, you know, recently I, I went there. Pretty much the only ride that's still there from the park's original opening is E.T. Adventure. Maybe a couple other things. Earthquake's been kind of tweaked into something else now. But E.T. Adventure is the one that still feels like the same thing you were on in the early 90s. That is pretty strange that for all the rides, right. E.T. has not yeah. been taken out. I mean, the things that have gone are Jaws, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future. But E.T. Adventure still remains at that amusement yeah. park. Yeah. I mean, I, you'd think Back to the Future and Jaws for sure would outlast E.T. Those certainly feel a little more iconic to pop culture. But uh, no, E.T. is still there. And basically, I'll, I'll explain this ride since you haven't been on it. It's, uh, and, you know, to the listeners, too, that may have not been there. It, every ride there has some kind of premise. There's like an excuse that you're entering the world of a movie. Okay. Okay. So I'm back to the future, for instance. 
you were one of Doc Brown's time travel volunteers, and he was going to send you a day into the future. But, oh no, Biff took a DeLorean, and now you got to go chase him around some dinosaurs and stuff. <laughs> so in E.T. Adventure, Spielberg shows up in this movie before the ride while you're waiting in line, and he's like, E.T. needs to get back to his home planet. You're going to help E.T. get back to his home planet by using one of these uh, intergalactic passports. <laughs> you go up to this... Like, That's real thin. Yeah, you go up to the service desk, and you tell them your name, and they hand you this credit card size thing, and you just pocket that. The rest of the line is very immersive. You're waiting in these woods. It's very dark. There's this really interesting smell of the ride. Anybody who's been on that ride can probably tell you, wow, something about that smell. It just You felt like you're in the woods. You see a speaking spell with the umbrella doing its thing. It's really dark, which is such, you know, that's a big change. You're in the sunshine state. And now you're inside, and it's just, you feel like you're in the forest. So you get up to the line, you hand them your card, and you get on this thing that looks kind of like a bicycle. It's like eight bicycles. Okay, if you're really lucky, you got to sit in the front center one where the basket was. Oh. Yeah? You see where I'm going with this? Was E.T. actually in the basket with you? E.T.'s in the basket. Yes. He's covered up by the blankets, but you know he's there. You know it. So you fly the bikes through the woods. You get E.T. out of there. It basically is like it picks up from that scary astronaut scene almost. Okay. Yeah. And so there's researchers everywhere, and they're like, they've got E.T. And he makes a sound. (laughs) So then, like, you don't just, like, say, all right, E.T., you can go home now like you do in the movie. It's like E.T. takes you back to the home planet on the bicycles, and you go through some kind of, like, intergalactic warp. And suddenly you're back on E.T.'s home planet and there are these like singing mushrooms and Uh. like a million tiny little E.T.'s singing the song. And then at the end of the ride, this is where that card comes into play, your intergalactic passport, where you gave them your name. E.T. says, goodbye, Robert, (laughs) Gary, Sarah. (laughs) It just like says these names and the ride's over, but... I got to tell you, uh, wasn't that big of a fan of the ride as a kid, but when I went there recently, that was, I mean, I kept getting on it. It's fantastic. So well, the, I'm glad it, it held up a little and, you know, you enjoyed it still. It did. Well, I guess enjoyed it for the first time. Yeah. It was very immersive. Like, um, because not enough people were really there, uh, I basically got the whole ride to myself. So it felt like I was on the bike with E.T. pedaling through <laughs> through the town and up past the moon and everything. It was very surreal, like, how immersive it is. The ride system, like, really advanced and still impressive by today's standards. I think that might be the only reason to go to Florida. Yeah, pretty much. If Back to the Future were there, you'd have two reasons. Um, but here's something, like, a lot of people would do with those cards is they'd always try to get E.T. to say something uh that maybe he shouldn't. And sometimes it seemed like they'd catch on. Like, you know, you might, obvious example would be your friend would go up and say their name is Seymour. And the next person would say ah. butts. And so when you get to the end of it, in theory, if, you know, they wouldn't catch on to that, he would say, goodbye, Seymour, butts. <laughs> well, when you have something like that, you, you have to expect people are going to do that. Yeah. Sorry, I really went off on the the E.T. adventure. I'm just, wow. That's all right. We can go off on the video game, so. Yeah. Do you know what Spielberg said about the video game? 
What did he say? He said, uh, and I'm roughly quoting here, I saw the game plan, a very rough scheme of the game. I was amazed at how difficult it was, and yet, at the same time, what fun it was to play. Interesting. Words to live I know by. He, he kind of had the idea that E.T. should be more of a Pac-Man clone. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I how, saw that somewhere. How involved was he in the video game? Probably not too involved. Um, I think Atari just gave the project to that one developer and was right. like, here you go. I'll see you in five weeks. It better be done. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have much time at all to make this game, did they? No, it was, I think, five and a half weeks to get it out for Christmas 1982, so which is just... fair. It's a pretty time, good game. Impressive. I gotta, you gotta hand it to them. Yeah, they pulled it off. You know, there are other games that, you know, had to meet that kind of deadline over the years that haven't. Yeah. But so, good for him. I mean, good for, yeah. good for him. <laughs> Did you beat the game? I, I came very close one time, um, maybe about six or seven years ago. Uh, I pulled up E.T. and I had a few drinks. So I, I just got really drunk and was like, you know what? I'm going to beat this game. Yeah. And that, that so I went around. was an intense night. Yeah, it was. I, I found, I, see, and I, I didn't go read the instructions. I just kind of figured out in my drunk mind, which is smarter than sober Lindsay somehow. And, uh, well, sometimes. Yeah. And I found all the phone pieces and I called home or I phoned home, and I had to get to this one specific screen where you where E.T. gets into a spaceship. And as I got there, either the guy in the raincoat got me, or the time ran out. Ooh. But I was just like a screen away from beating it, and then I got so angry, I just I could not even touch the game again. So I, I was with you when that happened, and that was, I don't know, like 10 years ago. Have you ever gone back and tried a second time? No, no. I, I think I just got so frustrated. I think about it every now and then. Like, you know what? I could probably do this sober and or drunk yeah i think you should do it i think well i found i i, I can't really hold it up because podcast listeners can't see it but the et uh layout is based on a cube and you can actually find the cube online to print oh, I it remember off that yeah yeah so if you have this cube which i just found like a year ago i guess it's a little easier and i mean if you watch the top of the screen as you're playing it's kind of telling you where to go and you know the important screens to go to was the cube in the booklet i don't know if it was in the actual instruction booklet i found it in some how to beat et the video game pamphlet okay that's interesting did you know buckner and garcia the famous songwriters of pac-man fever and really that whole album which is amazing had an et i love you song really yeah um so was that on a different album of theirs, or where did that fit in? I believe it was going to be released as a single, and Spielberg was on board with it. He thought it was great, but the label ended up um, kind of pushing it back, and it ended up coming out on like some kids' compilation record or something a little later. All right. Do you have any recommendations for people? Um, actually, as much as I... I just said I would never, well, I might go back to it, but I haven't gone back to the E.T. video game. I would recommend digging up a cart and trying it. Oh, I see. Go online, get the cube, read the instructions, give it a go, and then see if your opinion changes. Which is exactly what you're going to do after this podcast, right? I'm going to have a few beers and we're going to give it a go. Excellent. Excellent. And now, would you recommend anything? Well, considering I took up half the podcast discussing E.T. Adventure... <laughs> the ride go on an et adventure if you're looking for a good time 
I'll leave it at that. Will do. Well, that concludes this episode of the Pop Rewind podcast. We were talking about phoning home, which is something, uh, you know, maybe people just text home now. How would that work? How would that work in today? Would E.T. want to phone home or could he just like email home? Well, he would have to just like speak and spell home or something. Could he just Facebook like his friends back home? Be like, just Instagram it. Selfie. Ba-choo. So for real, that wraps up this episode of the Pop Rewind podcast. I've been Lee. I've been Linz. And check us out on the web. Where? Oh, com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, Twitter, probably other places too. Pop Rewind or Pop Rewind Online. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Pop Rewind.com.